Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Harrison Burton, driver of the number 12 Dex Imaging Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Live from Talladega, you're in the Pit Stop with Tim Despain and Stephen Wilson on the Speedway Digest Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher Radio, and your Apple Podcast. I'm Tim Despain, alongside my good friend from uh, SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson, and we've got uh, the official reverend of the pit stop, Tim Despain and Stephen Wilson, on right now. And I don't, I don't know if he's in Southern California or still up in Seattle. Uh, from what I understand, he is, uh, he's still trying to move. Uh, reverend Joe, how you doing tonight, my friend? I tell you what, I'm in California, and uh, we just sold the house in Washington today. I just most of it over the phone, but. It's um, we'll be settled, we'll be settling in completely down here probably in another month month and a half. But I'm down here taking care of some odds and ends. I'm so sorry. I apologize to everyone for missing the show last week. I called in two minutes late. My phone was all jammed up, and it was it was too late by the time I called in. Reverend Joe, you don't have to apologize to us. You know you know we got a backup. I've got the Lord's Prayer right here just in case that you don't. But uh, Reverend. Uh, do not apologize. I mean, you know, you had something going on, and and we definitely understand, my friend. Well, I just I hate to let you guys down, and by the time I got in, you'd already started. Your wife, Suzanne, laughed. She said, "Tim already did the the Lord's prayer." I said, "Oh boy." <laughs> Don't worry about it, Reverend. No problem. We know everybody has everybody has stuff that goes on and sometimes they can't make it you know steven has stuff every now and then sometimes i do too but uh you know it's we're like a big nascar family you know we all group together somebody fills in for this one somebody fills in for that one and everything works out fine yep that's just funny because like those darn cell phones you never know what they're going to pull on you next (laughs) no sir you don't so shall we get this party started yes sir crank it up reverend all right lord we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the wonderful people of NASCAR, the wonderful fans, all the people who are listening to our show. We thank you for allowing us to live in a country where we can do all the things we love to do and we can go racing without thinking twice about it. We thank you for the safety over the weekend. We thank you for all you do. And we ask you to bless us all. We thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. And we also thank you so much for just being there for us. Whenever we call out your name, you're there to hear, hear us. And we thank you so much for that. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe.
Reverend Joe, great invocation as, as always. Let everybody know if they can follow you in on social media and your website. You tell me it was a great invocation, even if it was terrible. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I, got, I, got to give, I did give you one report today, though. Um, Orange Hill Speedway, which is where I was the official chaplain for 25 years, and now one of the other fellows who's part of my our ministry is covering that track whenever I can't be there. And I went up there this past Saturday night to watch the races. They put on a, a great event there. They only charge twelve dollars for adults. It's a half it's a quarter mile oval uh asphalt that was built back, you know, when they had the new deal and everybody they built the dams and all those things. It was built as a football stadium. Anyway, this couple that have been there for years and I've known them forever, good people. One of the reasons we were always kind of close was because they ran the same number in their in a different division as I ran because I've been running the number 18 since the 60s. And uh, their son, who's 12 years old, for the last two years has been driving a junior late model, which is a full-size late model race car, up at Madeira Speedway, which is 700 miles from their home. They, they go up there every other weekend and has been doing real well with it. He, at Orange Show, they allowed him to run in the mini-stock division. Uh, and Saturday night, he set fast time with the end where he started sixth. 22 car fields, some of the best there is, and he won the show. I mean, he got passed by one of the best drivers in the His name's Austin Edwards, wonderful Christian family. Um, he got passed by one of the fastest guys on the track that there was, that there is, with three laps to go in a 35-lap main, and drove, drove back by on the outside and fought for the lead and finally took the lead with a half a lap to go. He, he just didn't give up. 12-year-old boy gives all the praise to God and promotes rescuing animals from shelters. I mean, just just great, great people. Amen, Reverend. Anyway, and as far as our ministry, you can reach us at on track with Jesus at AOL.com. Our website is on track with Jesus.org. My phone number is 951-232-7630. My website needs some work. That's my fault. I'm not the best at it, just like I'm not the best at Twitter, but... We're getting there, little by little. I knew some guy was supposed to call up and help me with Twitter. I don't know what happened to him, but we won't talk about that. I apologize, Reverend Joe. I've had so much going on, but I will definitely give you a holler. Uh, maybe sometime this weekend. You may, you may give you a call sometime this weekend, or are you going to be busy? Yeah, if you've got time, give me a holler. I'm getting a okay. little bit more used to hang of it, but not fully. Anyway, God bless you all. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you too, Reverend. Tell me, Spitty, we said hello and we will talk to you next Tuesday night from Dagan Nation. We'll do that. All right. See you, see you Reverend. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was Reverend Joe there. And uh, at this time, we've got Stephen. Stephen must have a little bit of stuff going on. Let's bring Stephen into the pit stop to explain it. Stephen, what's the line? Let's get ready to rumble!
Stephen Wilson from up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia, just right outside of Richmond International Spillway. Stephen, how you doing tonight, bud? I'm all right. Um, well, I mean, it's nice weather up here, finally. Uh, so, doing all right. That's good. I think where AM, uh, I think AM and Adam, uh, Thursday Night Thunder, they were talking a little bit on Facebook today, talking about cutting the grass and all that kind of stuff. You know, we've been getting a lot of rain here also. I'm sure y'all have too. And I actually got mine cut Saturday. Uh, we had some showers come in, which I was going to cut it Friday evening. And we had some showers come in. So me and my neighbor, Joe Beverly, uh, I think Saturday, we looked like we was having lawnmower races out there a little after lunchtime. <laughs> Once everything dried up, and as soon as he and I got through, bottom fell out. But I finally got my grass cut, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got a lot down here that we got to cut. Got most of it done. Uh, I got a little bit down here left to do. Uh, a lot of these, you know, got a lot of stuff around here, around the fields and stuff down here I got to finish up on. But, you know, for the most part, everything's done. But, you know, we've had some nasty stuff that came through here yesterday. And I think it dumped about four inches of rain throughout the day. So, got some flooding around our area but uh, otherwise uh, nice again today sounds good bud let's go ahead and get everything started uh, the number to call in is 215-383-3681 we're live from Talladega, Alabama Stephen Wilson on the flip side up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia like I said just right outside of Richmond International Raceway up there Stephen we had some breaking news come out of Hendrick Motorsports uh, not too I think it was right before I got off of work uh, general manager Doug Ducart to leave Hendrick Motorsports this summer would you like to talk a little bit about here comes your what you love this 70s breaking news uh, talk a little bit about Doug Ducart leaving Hendrick Motorsports sir well if I get the thing to play come on button <laughs> Stephen, let everybody know what's going on there at Hendrick Motorsports. It seems like we've had a lot of stuff going on lately. We've had, uh, you know, we had Jeff Gordon retire a couple of years ago. We had Tony Stewart retire. We've had uh, Greg Biffle step aside. We've had uh, Carl Edwards step aside. I mean, there's just so much going on at NASCAR. But this is a big announcement coming out of Hendrick Motorsports this afternoon. Yeah, Ducard, he's been there for about. Um, about 12 seasons or something like that. And through his uh, efforts there, um, he's kind of led the organization, not only as uh, the, the general manager over there, but he was also part of, you know, the development side of things that really oversaw a lot of the engineering um, and the race car uh, design, as well as the, the engine program that they had is when they made the conversion over to the electronic fuel injection, um, as well as the, um, you know, the, the Gen 6 car that, uh, you know, that we're currently, you know, racing in at least until the end of this season until Chevrolet um, later on, I think it's around September or something like that, that they'll announce their new model that they'll race in 2018. But uh, he's been a long time with the organization there and kind of led their you know, really led a lot of the things that they've done on that aspect. Uh, I mean, obviously, when you take a look at, you know, over the past 12 seasons, uh, since 2005, 
Uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson has won countless races. He's won multiple championships over there. Um, Jeff Gordon ha- has won countless champ- uh, championships. He's he's won races um, and retired from there, um, as well as uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Now, um, you know, winning races for them. And at the end of 2017, he'll also retire from Hendrick Motorsports. So, I mean, he's been kind of, right there spearheading a lot of these efforts for uh, Hendrick Motorsports as well as some of their other programs, especially their engine programs that are used across some of the other series over at Junior Motorsports and other Chevrolet-backed teams uh, throughout uh, the, the, uh, the, the the Cup Series. I mean, the we, we did see Stuart Haas racing in their countless uh, wins, their two championships, their engine program was supplied by Hendrick. Uh, we've seen other teams in AAA, not only in the, the Cup Series, but the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series also uh, be Hendrick-powered, too. So, I mean, through his guidance over there, I mean, he's got countless numbers of championships and race wins, design uh, of, you know, the car, not even going through the car tomorrow, the Gen 6 car, which we're currently racing now, the SS, which is the current car design, but I'm sure that he's also in some form has been a part of whatever is coming after the SS design uh, to be debuted, I believe, like I said, and sometime in September. He's going to leave um, sometime this summer, but uh, his efforts in NASCAR um, definitely have made an impact over there. Uh not only at Hendrick Motorsports, at GM and Chevrolet as a whole. Any speculation, Stephen, uh, who might be stepping in his shoes there at Hendrick Motorsports or any rumors that you've heard around the Mediaville? Uh, I've not really heard much, you know, because, you know, like I said, this come out later this afternoon right before I got off of work, and I think you were already off of work, and I, I hadn't seen nothing, but is there any – have you heard anything about any 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 rumorville or anything uh, – Anybody that might step in his shoes there at Hendrick Motorsports? You know, I really haven't heard too much yet. This is just, you know, coming out today. But, um, you know, that's, you know, obviously they, they've got it's a lot of depth over there as far as who um, can probably step into something like this. you got to remember they did bring back Bray Haverham a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, they've they've got the depth in him, not only from an engineering side, but also, you know, from a management side. Whether Ray would be interested in something like this, uh, I I don't know. And this is not speculation or rumors or anything like that. This is just purely going on the fact that, you know, Ray is over there. He is an advisor over there. He he does work with Hendrick Motorsports um, from – you know, many different aspects. So, you know, whether Greg would be interested in moving into that type of role, who knows? Um, but, you know, he has a long uh, history of being there at Hendrick Motorsports, and, you know, his his background obviously may be a fit for this. Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't see, you know, Chad Knauss or somebody like that moving into this, and, you know, because Jimmy is not ready at this point to retire, uh, you know, but they they they've got plenty of depth in their in their engineering and uh, executives that can readily step up, and I'm sure that they'll do so at some point. Name whoever it will be. 
And let's jump on over, Stephen, to uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, been a lot of Rumorville also there. I got a, I got a bunch of words tonight, Rumorville and uh, rumors, but uh, I don't think this is really rumors. Uh, I think this is Mediaville over there at Stuart Haas, uh, the number 10 of Miss Danica Patrick. There's rumor they're going to – Stuart Haas is going to exercise a clause in her concert and room concert in her contract and she might not come back after this year at Stuart Haas. Stephen, have you do you have any news for our listeners on that deal? Well, I mean there's been speculation about this going around all the way since the beginning of this season. Um I mean if you take a look at what everybody is really doing over there at Stuart Haas Racing, she really is at the back of their uh you know, uh, per se, at the back of the field for them. I mean, she's not at the level of competition that the rest of the teams are. Kurt Bush won the Daytona 500. Kevin Harvick, he's uh, there, up there every single week. Um, so, I mean, you, you've got you've got a team. Even Clint Boyer has made a turnaround this season, even though that he's had some bad luck. He's still improving finishes each and every week. Uh, then you also go back and you look at the aspect of the problems that they had with Nature's Bakery, who was going to be on the car for a majority of this season. Uh, then not just but a couple of weeks prior to the season beginning in Daytona for Daytona Speed Week, they come out and they say that, you know, we're, we're, we're exercising and filing a uh, suit against you because of uh, various issues that um, – you know, we are perceiving that, you know, Danica Patrick, or, you know, she is not upholding her end of the bargain in this. Um, there was also issues from Stuart Haas Racing and their side when they said that, you know, they hadn't been paid since, as a, even hadn't received any money from them per their, per their sponsorship as late as last September, October timeframe, I believe it was late sometimes late late in 2016 so they were due uh an amount of money that was undisclosed um this has been resolved of course here just in the last couple of weeks and now that the nature's bakery has cut down uh their number of races that they're going to be a primary on danica patrick's car now down to just a handful of races on her car but they're also going to be on clint boyer's car at the same time um, so they're going to split that now handful of races between two cars instead of just being on one car for Stuart Haas racing. Um, I think a lot of people really believe that if you take a look at what she's done, she's now starting to get really into the fitness sector. You see her promoting a lot of products on that side. Uh, a lot of people do seek her out in the advertising world as far as that, and they see the stock for her in that sector starting to go up. Uh, she does have a lot of brand imaging as far as that's concerned. Um, she's seen as somebody that can sell uh, fitness products. Um, obviously, that's why Nature's Bakery went to her in the first place for sponsorship and had was on her car. Um, you see her products on QVC and HSN, I believe, as well as other networks, home shopping networks type deals. Um, so I think a lot of these things are going to start surrounding themselves. I know the Sports Business Journal, as well as others, have started to sort of confirm, but not really put 
definite confirmation that, you know, the exercise rights at the end of 2010, that she, you know, will no longer be in that number. I mean, 2017, she will no longer be in that number 10 car. So uh, it really, I don't think it will be a surprise at the the end of this year or at some point this year if we finally hear that, you know, she's going to step away and she um, becomes a brand image for some more of these fitness companies. starts and strikes up her own deal with uh, HSN or QVC and starts selling more of those type of deals and more sponsorship and more one-on-one marketing as far as that's concerned because, I mean, as I said, her stock really is starting to go up in that aspect as as people are starting to see that um, as her career isn't starting, isn't really flourishing as people have expected in, in the Cup Series. And Stephen, she actually made a trip to Victory Lane uh, here at Tallahassee Super Speedway when her boyfriend Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won the Geico 500. So uh, she made a trip to Victory Lane, bud. You know, so <laughs> I had to bring that up, bud. My bad. Oh uh, no! Yeah, I mean, she made it. She made the trip to Victory Lane, and you know, there is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I mean. Uh, I know that those two, you know, they're they're starting to get closer and closer, and you know, I, I don't know what the future may withhold for them, but you know, obviously, if there's any long term aspect in far as that's concerned, there is has to be the consideration of, um, you know, if they want to have a future or grow anything in that future, as far as family wise, I mean, she's not going to be able to be in the car at the same time, so I mean. I don't know if that's going to be start to be a part of this process or not. And, you know, this is just my line of thinking yet again. These are no confirmed rumors or anything. This is just me thinking along those lines. It's, um, you know, you know, there's, she, she's not obviously not going to be able to be in the car. NASCAR and the medical team would never let her be in the car at that point. So, I mean, she, she wouldn't, it's just not safe. So, um, I don't know if that's started to become a consideration at this point, and they've started thinking about that. But you know, there's, you know, there are, uh, you know, there's a lot of things out there right now. There's a lot of things swirling around, but we just don't know where anything's going to land right now. Breaking news from Tallahassee, Alabama. Stephen Wilson says Danica Patrick cannot be pregnant with her first kid and be in a Monster Energy NASCAR series car. There you go, boss. No. Dr. Stephen Wilson. Dr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, uh, the number to call in again is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain alongside Stephen Wilson from SpeedwayDigest.com. Let's take a quick break. We have Ross Chastain coming in. He made his uh, Cup Series debut this past weekend at the Monster Mile there at Dover. He, at Dover, he also run all three series, Stephen. So let's take a little quick break, and we will be right back live from Dega Nation. Again, I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Woods will be right back. it on the 
table Determined I was gonna drink it all My heart and my mind was plenty able And hurting since you gave me that last call But I pushed it away and said hell no Tonight I think I'll just drink plain cold It'd be a waste of good whiskey It'd be a waste of my time Cause they don't make Jack strong enough To get you off my mind There really ain't nothing that can fix me I can drink it all but you still wouldn't miss me It'd be a waste of good whiskey Took an old shot glass from the cabin And I got to thinking on second thought I might need the courage in that bottle To go ahead and give you a call I poured it out and put it to my lips And then I just poured it back in be a waste of good whiskey It'd be a waste of my time Cause they don't make Jack strong enough To get you off my mind There really ain't nothing that can fix me I can drink it all But you still wouldn't miss me It'd be a waste of good whiskey I could turn it up or wash it Be a waste of my time Cause they don't make Jack strong enough To get you off my mind There really ain't nothing that can fix me I could drink it all But you still wouldn't miss me It'd be a waste of good whiskey It'd be a waste of good whiskey Hi, I'm Harrison Burton, driver of the number 12 Dex Imaging Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Pit Stop with Tim Despain. That's my good friend, Ashton, Alabama's own, just right down the road from me here in Dega, Mr. Kevin Moon with Good Whiskey. Uh, young and upcoming country singer, I think it's going to be really great, Stephen. Uh, real quick, Stephen, uh, we had some more news come out of Richard Petty Motorsports. They announced yesterday that... Uh, uh, Bubba Wallace will be driving the the iconic number 43 while I'm, while Eric Almirola recovers from his uh, back injury. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add to that coming out of Richard Petty Motorsports? Is is, uh, is Bubba going to drive the car until Eric comes back, Stephen, or are they still planning on maybe putting Regan Smith back in it for some races? Have you heard? No, I, you know, after that did come out yesterday, you know, it was a little bit confusing because there were some, you know, confusing headlines that came out between the dueling uh, releases, one that came out from Roush Fenway Racing and then one that came out 
from Rich Petty Motorsports. You know, obviously, well, the first thing is is that uh, following this weekend at Pocono uh, Pocono Raceway, uh, the number sixteen that Bubba Wallace races in in the NASCAR Xfinity Series will shut down, uh, and he will he will move over to Richard Petty Motorsports, in which he will take over the number forty three. Um, from Regan Smith, who's been in the car for the last three weeks. Um, this will be a permanent replacement until Eric Almarola is able to return to the number 43 car. Um, uh, that That is a confirmation that did come from Richard Petty Motorsports because I wanted to get some clarification on that. Um, what will happen after... Uh, or if Eric Almarola is to return to the number 43, I have not gotten a clarification on as of yet. Uh, but as for what everybody, if they remember, um, you know, Richard Petty Motorsports does have two charters available. They're currently leasing the second charter over to the number 32 team at Go Fast Racing, which was the number 44 last year for Brian Scott. So Richard Petty Motorsports in 2018 will have to bring that charter back to themselves and run a second car, or they will have to sell it because, you know, they, you're allowed to lease those charters for one year. And then after that one year expires on the lease, you have to bring it back in-house and run a car with that charter, or you have to sell it out. Um, you can't release it again. So, um, you know, that's, you know, the, the options available to them. So it, it, I did also ask the question, you know, is this in preparation of 2018 and possibly return to, you know, a two, t- two teams over there, Richard Petty Motorsports? I did not get an answer to that. Um, you know, but there had or was talk at the beginning of the season during media week, you know, when all these was swirling around in the 32, uh, did get this charter on a lease that Petty did say, or uh, Richard Petty did, the team did say at some point in the future they would like to return to a two-team, uh, two-car team. So, you know, if uh, Bubba Wallace is that driver in the, in the second car, who knows? But as of right now, I didn't get an answer to that question when I asked for clarification. Sounds good, Tim. That's why I wanted to ask you that because, uh, you know, like you said, we have we had conflicting press releases come out from uh, – from both sides there and it was sort of confusing and i had a lot of people hit me up on social media wanting to know exactly how it, how it went i said well just tune in tonight and i said i'll get the expert steven on it so thank you for clarifying that so maybe everybody listening tonight to actually see you know what all went on there but uh steven while we're waiting on uh ross chastain he must have had something come up we're waiting on him to come on uh you want to cover the uh nascar camper world truck series race number six the uh uh, 18th annual Bar Harbor 200 presented by Sea Watch there at uh, Dover International where Johnny Sauter won. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have my computer because I got it all packed up for tomorrow. But uh, yeah, Johnny Sauter won. How about that? There you <laughs> I'll go. Let you, uh, I'll let you. Straight. Yeah, Johnny Sauter won. Straight from Stephen Wilson. There. Yeah, I go. I go ahead and cover some up there, Stephen. I hate to put you on the spot. You know, like I said, we've sort of changed. You know, we swapped how we do stuff because everybody knows who won the, who won every race. We just want to let all of our listeners know and uh, about 
the news coming out of NASCAR, or the breaking news, the PR releases that you and I get, and we're very fortunate enough. We want to thank the good Lord for it, for all that. Uh, we get all the PR stuff. But uh, our guest coming up, uh, Ross Chastain, he finished uh, he finished fifteenth in the uh, in the truck race there at uh, at Dover International. Bless Johnny Sauter. You know, like you said, quote unquote. Stephen Wilson said Johnny Sauter won the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race. Write that in stone. Stephen, let's take a little break right here and listen to a little bit about what Johnny Salter had to say there after he won the uh, 10th Annual Ball Harbor 200 there, presented by Sea-Watch at Dover, Dover National Speedway. We're going to go ahead and continue on with our post-race media availability for the 18th Annual Bar Harbor 200, presented by Sea-Watch International and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. And we are joining, joined by today's race-winning team. We've got Johnny Sauter driver of the number 21 Allegiant Airlines Chevrolet for GMS Racing, and crew chief Joe Shear Jr. Johnny, this uh, your first win of 2017. Do you feel like the team is now in championship form after winning your 14th career race and your first here at the Monster Mile? Um, yeah, I actually, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've had a phenomenal start to the season. Um, felt like I we had the dominant truck in Daytona, led a lot of that race, and just unfortunately got tore up there at the end on that last green white checker. But uh, other than that, you know, a third and then three second place finishes and a win today. So I'd say we're in championship form, to say the least, and uh, it's just a product of everybody at GMS Racing uh, working their butts off. So um, today was probably, you know, not our best handling truck of the year, but we were able to get a win with it. So. Um, and this is just one of those places that's, uh, you know, never won here before, and, and it's a place I've always, always enjoyed coming to. And I said earlier in the day, I said, this is a place that's a, you know, it's a feather in your cap if you can win at a place like this just because it's so demanding. So, um, you know, we did all we needed to do, had the right strategy, and um, clean air was everything. I think you saw that with anybody that was at one point in the front of the race and then got shuffled back. They couldn't go anywhere. So, um, and we kind of knew that. Joe obviously knew that and, and picked up on the, you know, we need to do a strategy play because, you know, you just can't pass. And uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And it and, uh, worked out great for us today. Just uh, one, two finish for GMS. Uh, great day. We're, we're also joined here by this uh, Miles the Monster Trophy, which Joe Shear Jr. has coveted for a long, long time. Would you please walk us through that strategy play and fuel mileage? And which really helped uh, put Johnny in position to win this race. Well, it was just like uh, Johnny said there. I, I seen it right away when people were trying to do some strategy stuff there that being out front was the answer. No matter what we did to the truck when we were in traffic, it didn't make any difference. So we knew that we had to get up front. So as soon as I, uh, you know, learned that and seen that, I, I turned my strategy around, my whole race strategy, to get us up front at the end. Now, some of these guys that were doing it played their cards too soon and, and kind of screwed themselves at the end, and I just kind of kept being patient and, and uh, kept getting Johnny yelling at me and the spotter yelling at me, but I knew at the very end is when we needed to be up front, and that's what I was working on, and, and it worked out perfect. We got the caution at the right time. We got the pit when we wanted to, and uh, we were about three laps short there when we pitted, and it was, you know, it was, it's a gutsy call, but we knew we kind of had to make it, and we saved gas, and we... He did a perfect job listening to us, saving, just being cautious and being clean and being smooth. And then when it was time to go, we, we were able to go. Okay, we'll open the floor up for questions. If you have a question, uh, we'll get a wireless mic to you. We'll go with Dustin and then go to Reed. Uh, Dustin Albino, FrontTouch.com. Johnny, you said you enjoy coming here, so are you surprised that you never won here prior to today? 
Yes, and, and to be honest with you, I felt like in years past I had opportunities or had trucks good enough to win here. Um, but, you know, circumstance, I don't care what kind of a race it is. I mean, uh, you know, you can do everything right. Circumstances still have to go your way. So um, I don't know. I just, you know, we got through Charlotte, which was, you know, historically a tough racetrack for me personally and, and came away with a second-place finish. So confidence was pretty high coming into Dover. And, uh, you know, this place here is just, you know, from the drop of the green flag to the end, I mean, you're driving pretty hard and, and uh, you know, and you are everywhere, but this place here, I mean, as much as you can give your race race truck, it'll take. So, um, you know, it was hard at that one point where we were just trying to get into a rhythm there and run like 2420s, 2430s. It's hard to discipline yourself to do that. So, um, you know, this is just one of those places that <laughs> I can't explain to you, like qualifying laps here are two of the most exhilarating laps you'll run in the whole season just because you, you know what you have to do and, and you have to commit. And let's face it, you're going around a mile racetrack in, in just over 23 seconds. That's that's cooking. So um, tough place, puts a big emphasis on, on handling and, and, and so on and so forth. And um, just this is awesome. I mean, this is one of the coolest trophies there is, and I, I'm, I'm happy one of them's mine. Go next to Reed. Uh, Reed Spencer with NASCAR Wire Service. Johnny, uh, even though your tires were, I think, about 50 laps older than Kaz's, because track position was so important, were you still confident that you could stay ahead of him at the end there? Yeah, and to be honest with you, I didn't have any idea until after the race that he had tires. I thought he was kind of on the same strategy we, we were, um, but obviously he pitted and, and came and got rubber. So, um, you know, tires are, you know, I kind of felt like yesterday tires weren't really that important. They're obviously better and, and – yeah, you, you want tires when you can get them. But, um, you know, I knew early in the race that if you just kept it pinned on the bottom, the guy would have to be substantially faster to go around the outside of you. And, and you know, it's just we're all running so close speeds nowadays that, uh, you know, you, you just keep them in dirty air. You, you've got the advantage, and that's that's all I concentrated on those last 15 laps was just back in the corner entry up. Well, tab kept right in mind of me, my spotter, but, you know, just focused on lifting early and, and, and pinning that thing on the bottom and, you know, for him to have to have passed me, he's going to have to go to the top, and you, you just, it's very hard to do. Additional questions? I have one. Johnny would go to Texas Motor Speedway next week with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Does this win kind of take some pressure off of, off of you, and what do you expect going into Texas? Texas has been a great racetrack for me. Um, you know, we've, we've won there three times. Well, four, really, but we got one taken away. But, uh <laughs> Um, love that racetrack. Love that part of the country. Um, obviously, it's not the same Texas that it was, and so I think we all have a little bit of, you know, scratching our heads to do this week and, and what to anticipate and, and what we need to look for when we get there. So um, I don't know. I've I've been to racetracks where they've reconfigured them and repaved them, but they, for whatever reason, still had the same tendencies they did in the past, and that's kind of what I'm hoping Texas has this time. So um, got a great truck, uh, got a great Chevrolet Silverado that we're taking there. Um, got a lot of confidence and and you know not just texas but uh st louis and, and iowa two great racetracks the racetracks that i love um you know coming up so this i look forward to this part of the schedule for sure and uh i don't know just gonna hit it hard i don't think we can uh we got to keep pushing because uh you know ultimately you, you got to keep working to try to get your best that you possibly can be down the stretch like we did last year good deal it takes a lot of pressure off me <laughs> Absolutely. But then you have no note you really have no notebook to go off of now going into Texas with this new configuration, correct? Exactly. But this win gives us a little bit of room to play and, and experiment, so it takes a lot of pressure off. Okay. Well <laughs>
Good luck next week playing in the Lone Star State, and congratulations again for winning today at the Monster Mile. Thank you. And, Stephen, that was our good friend there, Matt Humphrey, uh, taking care of Johnny Sauter there at uh, Dover International Speedway. Just want to talk a little bit about uh, this past weekend there at uh, Dover. Uh, Kyle Bush had an issue with his right rear. And the way the rule book reads, uh, this is 10.9.10.4, tires and wheels of the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series rule book. Section A, all tires, wheels, and all five lug nuts must be installed in a safe and secure manner at all times during the event. Section B, NASCAR reserves the right at any time to require any competitors to report to their pit box to inspect for any noncompliance. Any loss of wheels beyond exit of pit road may result. Listeners, listen to this. It says, any loss of wheels beyond the exit of pit road may result in a penalty in the sole discretion of NASCAR, Section 12, Violations Disciplinary Action. Tire usage for the event will be provided on the driver and crew chief handout and can be obtained at the driver crew chief meeting. So that was just the whole section there of 10.9.10.4, tires and wheels of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series there. But, uh, I mean, you know, I don't, I listen to a lot of Sirius XM, you know, I don't, I don't know if they should actually enforce that rule, Stephen, as far as the way everything went down there, because the jack man dropped the jack before the left rear tire changer could get the lug nuts tight, Stephen. And, you know, I know the rule book stated what it, exactly what it stated, but you know, and you know, Kyle Busch is—he can be a butthole. Everybody knows that. But I don't think he should deserve. I think it's like a, they find the crew chief, the tire care, the tire changer, and the love. I think they uh, suspend him from like four races or something like that. Stephen, can you help me out on that, bud? Yeah, it's a it's a four way it's a four race uh, suspension for the tire care. The, the tire changer and the crew chief, um, and the intent of the rule really was, if you think back to when teams were only putting on two and three lug nuts, and everybody was losing tires, they were having problems, and you know NASCAR had to, you know people were complaining, um, you know the, the drivers weren't complaining, um, you know because they were they were making up two and three tenths on pit road. But, you know, fans were complaining, people at home were complaining, social media was complaining, and, well, you know, uh, with that comes a change. And this is this was the change that was enacted. Uh, the role was is that, well, this is the result. And we also saw this in the Camp Royal Truck Series on Friday uh, with uh, Brad Keselowski racing. Uh, Chase, Brad Keselowski Chase went to the hall. Well, yeah. With, exactly, with Chase Briscoe and Brad Keselowski went to the hauler after the race. He tried to argue his point. He got on social media and tried to argue his point about, well, this isn't the intent of the rule. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, I get it. You know, the intent of the rule was, you know, mandated based on the fact of, you know, why, you know, teams were putting on two and three lug nuts and trying to get off pit road. And, you know, NASCAR had to do something about it, and this is what they did. Um, 
how this this is the role that we have in place. And, you know, until there's a change in the role, this is what the teams are going to really going to have to deal with at this point. Um, you know, there are provisions in this role that, you know, if NASCAR would look back at this and said, hey, you know, you broke a wheel hub, you broke some studs, um, there was a mechanical issue on the car that caused this, um, you know, they, they, they may – you know, go back and then they look at this and say, okay, you know, that that doesn't draw the penalty. That doesn't, you know, come to the to, to the point where it draws a penalty. And maybe they'll look at this incident and say, okay, look, you know, we're not going to fine you because, you know, the, the jack dropped and, you know, all the lugs weren't tight or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, we, we won't even find out until tomorrow whether uh, Brad Keselowski racing and Chase Briscoe and um, – <clears throat> Um, you know, the number 18 team and, you know, uh, Dave Rogers and everybody on that team is even going to be, you know, penalized. But as the rule states and as it's put in the rule book at this point, this is what we have and this is what we have to go with. And that was the intent of the rule and why it was put there. So until it changes, um, this is what we have to live with and this is what, you know, teams have known for a while and, you know, these are just critical, critical mistakes that, you know, cannot be made, um, especially in teams like uh, Kyle Busch that this year, they're just not on top of their game. It just doesn't seem week in and week out that they can, um, you know, really get there and do what they need to do. The frustration factor at um, in the Coca-Cola 600 uh, even finishing second there, the frustration was there. He came to Dover, he won the pole there. But, you know, very first pit stop, he, uh, you know, that, that, that critical, critical mistake that was made, the team is just obviously not firing on all cylinders at this point. But, I mean, that's that's outside of the conversation. But, you know, we're, you know, we're really just, at this point, we have this role. And that's kind of where we have to be. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, we need to, have drivers interfering with it. I don't think we need to have the fans interfering with it. And I don't think we really need the media to interfere in with it. And that's just kind of my opinion. I just think at this point, we've got this rule and the rule was put in place for a reason. And until NASCAR and the people can come up with, with a suitable replacement for it, there has to be something in the rule book that keeps these teams from going back to doing what they were before and putting two and three lugs onto it. There has to be some kind of penalty. There has to be some kind of, you know, ultimatum in this fact that, you know, we just can't go back to doing what we were doing before because that was dangerous. Exactly, Stephen. And to uh, to add to your point there too, uh, it's been like this from day one. You know, you've been around the sport a while. I have been around the sport a while also. Whenever the jack man drops the jack, that's a signal for the driver to go. And like you and I talked, uh, you know, we were texting earlier, you know, uh, Sunday during the race. It was like the jack man was actually looking more toward the left front than it was the left rear. And the jack man dropped the jack, and I actually think one of them crew members there got his hand hurt or something for sticking it up in there. But you bring up a good point, too. I just wanted to add to your comment there about to let everybody, all of our listeners know that some of them that might not be f- familiar with the way a uh, pit stop goes is normally the cue for the driver to go is when the jack man drops the jack. 
But like I said earlier, 10.9.10.4 tires and wheels, it says all tires, wheels, and all five lug nuts must, all right, like you said earlier, must, does it need to be a, an amendment to this rule, must be installed in a safe and secure manner at all times during the event. Do you think they need to amend that rule, Stu? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I like I said, I, I like I said, until we can find a suitable replacement for it, we can't just amend the rule. We can't just take the rule out. We can't just change the rule because at that point we're going to start getting drivers going back to the same place that we were. I'm well, not drivers, but teams. Um, you know, they're going to start making these very risky calls yet again. I'm putting two and three lugs on and, you know, that really just gets us back into a bad habit. Once again, um, you know, we try to allow or the sport and the officials and NASCAR as a sanctioning body tried to allow teams a little bit of leeway into policing, uh, you know, some of this, but they just couldn't do so. They couldn't be, you know, allowed to do so. So, uh, unfortunately, that's what NASCAR had to come up with, and this is what the teams are going to have to live with as a result of their actions. Had they uh, policed themselves, uh, I think we would be having a whole different conversation at this point. But, you know, we we just have teams out there that, you know, that continuously push the bar and you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that that's bad in any any aspect, but when it becomes a safety issue, that's when we have to obviously make a make a rule or make some kind of adjustment um, and put the policy in black and white for them to go out and abide by it by force. And that's exactly what this role has done. And there's really it doesn't seem to be any clear cut uh, gray area outside of what you see in black and white. Uh, aside from the fact, like I said, you know, there is there does seem to be just that little bit of leeway where you know at their discretion, and their discretion could be, like I stated before, a broken hub, uh, you know, by by damage. You know, we do have the damaged car policy that if they they, they feel that, you know, uh, uh, the car came in and, um, you know, uh, the hub was damaged and that caused it to happen, you know, there's all kinds of other provisions in the rule book that they could look back on and they could say, well, was the car damaged prior to coming to pit road? Uh, did he get into the wall and was it under the damaged car policy? Um that caused that hub or caused the sud to break off? Um, you know, did he get involved with another car that would have put us under the damaged car policy? Um, did they see something on the pit cameras that, uh, that videotape each of these events live in real time when they went back and reviewed these after the race? Did they see something which would have caused damage to the hub or studs that would have caused the wheel to come off after pit road. So there is that leeway under the discretionary rule that's in that rule of and to itself that they could go back. I mean, they monitor a lot of things that we don't see, and we have yet to really uh, know what's going to happen tomorrow. But 
if I have to go out on a limb, uh, that the Chase Briscoe's team and Brett Keselowski's team, uh, Bray KR, as well as uh, Kyle Busch's number 18 team, I expect to see some penalties come out of them tomorrow because neither one of them, from what I saw, uh, there there's no provisions where I could see anywhere else in the rule book that would have precluded them from, uh, you know, damage or, you know, an issue on pit road unless it's something that they saw that I didn't see. Good explanation, Stephen. Thank you very much for explaining that. Because uh, I know you, you're religiously reading that rule book there, Stephen. But, uh, Stephen, I want to apologize to everybody tonight for Ross Chastain not coming on. Uh, he must have had something come up. And, um, you know, that's just how everything works. But, uh, Stephen, I know your time's limited to you. You've, uh, you got to hit the sack a little bit earlier. You got some stuff going on tomorrow. But, uh, Let's go ahead, uh, Stephen. You want to let everybody know uh, the event schedule this weekend at Pocono. I know the Arca's up there. The Xfinity Series is at Pocono, and of course the Cup Series there. And then we got the trucks at um, at uh, Dallas Fort Dallas Fort Worth there at Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah, well, uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with NASCAR Camp Royal Truck Series because that's gonna be the easiest thing because we got NASCAR Camp Royal Truck Series Friday night. Um, got qualifying just to kick this thing out and kick this thing out uh, off uh, 5.35 Eastern time for the Camp Royal Truck Series out there to be followed at 8 o'clock NASCAR Camp Royal Truck Series for those guys uh, 167 laps NASCAR Camp Royal Truck Series and for anybody that's interested we've got the Verizon IndyCar Series that's going to take to the track out there on Saturday uh, 8.45 Eastern uh, for those uh, for the Verizon IndyCar Series, 248 laps for them. Going back over here to Pocono, so Pocono's all, also going to be running this weekend. This for everybody, anybody that's asking. Uh, this is not the race where the uh, <laughs> what is it? Oh yeah, we, we're. We're not going to run the race at Pocono this weekend. We're qualifying is going to be on the same day of the race. This is going to be the uh, qualifying is all going to be the same thing. Uh, it's going to be a normal standard weekend. It's going to be the second race at Pocono that we come back to at qualifying, and the race will be at the same time. So for quali- for this is also going to be on Friday for for uh, ARCA series qualifying is going to be at two o'clock Eastern Standard Time to be immediately followed by NASCAR Monster Energy uh, Series Qualifying 415, followed by NAS- uh, NASCAR Arca Series Race, 545, 80 laps for them, 200 miles. Then on Saturday, the uh, NASCAR, uh, oops, well, you got to get qualifying in first, 935 qualifying for them. Uh, then at 1 o'clock, NASCAR Xfinity Series, 100 laps, 200 50 miles for them. Then on Sunday, 3 o'clock, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. 160 laps, 400 miles for the Pocono 400. Oh, as a uh, special programming note for the NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Sunday, I mean Saturday, uh, it will be taken over by NASCAR Cup Series regulars. Um, you will have uh, Kevin Harvick up in the booth 
uh, Danica Patrick, Ricky Stanhouse, Joey Logano, and others all over the track on pit road in the booth um, and doing play-by-play announcing. So this race will be totally taken over by Cup Series regulars to broadcast the NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday afternoon. So that should be interesting to watch. Take a breath, Stephen. Great job. <laughs> Great job. Yeah, I was going to bring up the uh, the cup drivers are going to do that, going to, going to you know, sort of broadcast the uh, Xfinity Racer. That's going to be pretty good to watch. I can't wait to see that, Steve. But, you know, like I said, uh, Stephen, thank you very much. I know your time is limited because you got some stuff you got to get up and do in the morning. So uh, I want to thank everybody from uh, uh, myself and Suzanne here at Talladega Super Speedway. Well, not that Tidal Superfield. I'm just south of it, just a few miles. But, uh, Stephen, let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media and your website. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Stephen, that sounds good. Uh, tell AM and the boys we said hello, and we will talk to you next Tuesday night here live from Dega Nation. We should be having uh, one of the most iconic guys in NASCAR, uh, Mr. Dave Marcus. is going to try to join us next week. He's going to be at a motorcycle event in Detroit. He's going to try to call. If he can't, we will have him the following week. So tune in next week. Stephen and I will be talking to the man that made – the wing tips famous and the Goodyear hat famous and uh test driver for IROC series. A lot of people might not remember that IROC series, David. But anyway, we will be back live. Oh, I do. Tuesday. I I I, I, I do. Ahead. I remember seeing them race several times at Richmond International Raceway. Yeah, the IROC series was awesome. I wish they could have kept that going, but you know, which I I actually got to interview Dave Marcus here at Tidal Super Speedway back in uh, first of March, end of February there at the uh, Wild Game Cookoff, and uh, I think I played that interview. But I mean, you know, Dave talks about his wing tips. He talks about the Goodyear hat that he's made synonymous. And you know, like I said, Dave was a big, he was a big deal there after his career as far as testing all the IROC cars. That was. A, that was a pretty good deal when I got to interview him, Stephen. I mean, that was pretty good. So, y'all tune in next Tuesday night. Uh, Dave's going to try to call in. He said if he can't, he will schedule probably the next Tuesday night. So, uh, Stephen, tell AM and the boys we said hello, and we're going to say good night from Talladega, Alabama. And from up there at your place there, just right outside of Richmond National Speedway there, uh, Stephen Wilson, we'll talk to you later, my friend. Thanks. All right, see you, bud.
Okay, we will roll into our winner's press conference for the 36th annual One Main Financial 200 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And we're joined by our race-winning team with driver Kyle Larson of the number 42 Parker Store Chevrolet for Chip Ganassi Racing and crew chief Mike Shiplett. Let's start with you, Kyle. Uh, this is your third win this season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, but your first Monster Mile trophy. Talk about how special that is for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to win this trophy. This is uh, um, you know, one of the most recognizable trophies uh, on our circuit. So um, to, to win here is special. I've had some good runs here in the past. I've had some uh, average runs. So um, I knew our car was going to be really good uh, you know, as soon as we unloaded it. Uh, yesterday, our first run was, was amazing. I didn't have any complaints about the, the way the car was driving. Um, <clears throat> and then and we got the pole. was able to lead a lot of laps today. Fell back a little bit there at the end of the second stage. It's just, uh, you know, I'd start the runs out tight, and then, you know, each time I get a caution, and we had a lot of cautions there in the early part of the race, I'd just get, you know, looser and looser, and um, it was hard to kind of get the power down. So uh, once we you finished that second stage, we had a good pit stop, and uh, Blaney and Bubba uh, had a bad restart. Bubba got loose and kind of washed up the track and choked down the, the top lane and allowed me to get in front of all them and slowly worked my way up to the lead. And then, uh, yeah, I was, I was happy to see a, a long run finally. That's I knew I'd be really good on the long run. Um, we just didn't get many of those in the beginning. So it uh, worked out for us in the end. And, you know, we had a good Parker Store Chevy and was able to uh, not make any mistakes really in traffic and, and uh, hold Blaney off. Mike, clearly you had a great race car today and a, a great driver behind the wheel. But in that third and final stage, what was your biggest concern as we went through? You know, just the if a caution was going to come out there and to make another adjustment on the car. Because like Kyle was saying, the short runs, we really didn't get a good understanding of what the car needed on the long run. We felt we had a good long run car, but we were struggling a little bit on the short runs. So just... Getting able to start running, I mean, that was the longest run of the day. I think before that we only went like 20 laps, so you really can't tell what the car is capable of doing at that point. We'll open the floor up for questions. Raise your hand. We'll get a wireless mic to you. We'll start with Reed and go to Bob. Uh, Reed Spencer with NASCAR Wire Service. Kyle, uh, three wins, a second, a third, in six starts, an average finish of 2.5 in this series this year. Are you sure your last name isn't Bush? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something smart-ass to say like he would, but uh, <clears throat> no, it's just been uh, it's been a lot of fun to to drive our race cars. Um, our cars been really good on both sides, you know, Cup and Xfinity, but uh, especially Xfinity, we've been extremely extremely good. Um, you know, they've done a good job adjusting this new aero package, and uh, you know, like I said, this is the best car I've had here, and. Um, was was happy about that and, and a lot of the tracks we've gone to it seems like it's been you know the bet my best Xfinity car I've had you know this time around so um, just a lot of fun you know hats off to Shiplet and, and all the mechanics uh, at the race shop uh, engineers everybody who who really are the, the main reason you know why I'm getting to uh, you know run up front more often and um, you know I, I get all the credit but uh, it's everybody at the shop really that uh, deserves the credit. We'll come up front to Bob and then go to Kyle. Bob Hockers, ESPN, fastest and happy hour as far as 10-lap average on the cup side. Would a sweep be a big deal to you, just the fact that to, to do that type of accomplishment? 
yeah, to get a, a you know a second sweep uh, this early in the season would be cool. Um, you know, tomorrow it, it'll be an extremely tough race. You know, Jimmy is always really good here. Truex has been extremely strong as well. So, um, you know, I, I was very happy with our our target Chevy uh, in Happy Hour, and you know, normally <coughs> normally Happy Hour here is is really you know not so Happy Hour uh, because your car drives like crap, but. Um, Today they made some good adjustments and, and we were good. So I'm excited for the race tomorrow. It's always different. You know, the track changed a lot throughout the Xfinity race, um, especially on that last long run there. It got, you know, a lot of rubber down. So um, it's hard to really know how you're going to be because uh, you don't practice with that much rubber on the track, and, and you know, like you got towards the end of this race. So uh, we'll have some long green flag runs tomorrow, and uh, the balance will change a lot. So we just got to stay on top of that. Good back left to Kyle. Kyle Magda, Performance Motorsports Network. Can you just talk about how important it was to have clean air today, especially, uh, like you said, this morning with the 22 and you being the two best cars out there? Yeah, I mean, I, so out of the three series, you know, trucks, Xfinity, and Cup, I feel like, you know, clean air is uh, not that big of a deal in Xfinity. Um, it seems like, you know, dirty air affects you a little bit, but not as bad as, is truck especially and then you know cup car it seems like it's gotten a little bit worse to me the last few weeks um but yeah you know clean air is always important but i wouldn't say it was it was uh, a huge huge factor today tyler head from the racing experts.com uh kyle just is there anything that you're able to learn from this race especially with as you mentioned the track rubbering up and these tires being used with the cup car tomorrow anything that you pick up over the course of the race that'll apply tomorrow yeah, you know, here at Dover, um, as you guys can see, the the line changes quite a bit with all the rubber that gets put down. So adjusting your line here and there um, is important to uh, help learn for for tomorrow. Uh, I felt like there on that last you know long run, I felt like I moved around enough and, and learned enough about how my car was driving when you know I'd enter too low or or too high or whatever. Or, um, and, and kind of feel how that affected the balance of the car. So uh, if you're fighting you know, something, you could adjust your line and, and run through those slick spots to help it. So, um, yeah, you know, Dover is a, a fun place, and you know, it's always changing, so you can uh, definitely run double-duty helps. Any additional questions for our winners? Gentlemen, congratulations on the triumph, and uh, good luck tomorrow, Kyle. Thanks. We're going to go ahead and continue on with uh, today's Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series post-race media availability for the 48th annual AAA 400 Drive for Autism. We're now joined by the winning car owner, uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer, Mr. Rick Hendrick, who uh, is the owner of the number 48 Lowe's Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Rick, you can't be surprised about the success this team had today, but what is it about this combination with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss that finds a way week in and week out to overcome adversity and find their way into victory lane. You know, Jimmy is just, this is probably, I, I would say, his best track. And uh, they have figured out a way to be competitive every week. And uh, this was probably one of the most competitive races I've seen. And, uh, you know, we've lost a lot of them on restarts and uh, able to pull one off today. Uh, Jimmy just is... I think because of the banking and the way the car lands and you have to run the car loose and then Chad and they've worked together here so many times, um, you know, if you can just be in the top five, you know, didn't like to have to start in the rear, but uh, 
he's pr got a pretty good record of coming from the back, so uh, it was a great day. Okay, we'll open up the floor for questions. If you have a question for Mr. Hendrick, please raise your hand. We'll get a wireless mic to you. Any questions for Mr. Hendrick? We'll go ahead and start with Pat and then go to Bob. Pat to NASCAR.com. Rick, so many people have pointed to Jimmy's luck, but he's obviously very skilled. I mean, where is that balance in your mind? You know, if you look at his record of the championships and the wins and the different tracks um, and the competition that's out there today, um, I don't know how you could be lucky 83 times in seven championships. I think, I think, you know, you have to have some racing luck. Every now and then you, you get one that maybe uh, someone else uh, fumbled the ball or luck went your way. But, uh, you know, if you look at his record and the, uh, what he's done and the championships and the races he's won, uh, you know, he, you'd have to say he's one of the greatest that's ever raced in the sport. Go next to Bob. Uh, Bob Hocker, CSPN. I have two. The first is... Does um, does Jimmy do anything that uh, reminds you of Cale Yarborough? You know, I watched Cale, uh, and he was one of the toughest, hardest racers that um, I ever watched race. Fearless, uh, and drove the car uh, over the edge. And Jimmy does the same thing, but Jimmy makes it look smooth. Um, I think they're, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I like Parcells' quote. You're, you are what your record says you are, and uh, you know I, I think they're I think they're a little bit the way I remember Kale. They're a little bit different in their approach, but their record is the same. And he had the Kale tribute helmet. Uh, was there any part of you that said don't break that out until uh, you actually tie him? I'm sorry now. Oh, oh, the, oh. Yeah, we, no. We, we, you weren't superstitious about having that, him having that helmet before he tied. I was more concerned about whether I could get the helmet. <laughs> we are now joined by today's winning crew chief, uh, Chad Knaus, uh, who uh, had some adversity from the get-go this morning, uh, starting from the rear uh, with, a, with a gear change. Could you walk us through that process, and what was your mindset as far as game planning then for the race? Yeah, it's obviously unfortunate, and we've Mr. Hendrick and I were talking last night about why we had to change the gear and what happened. And, and quite honestly, um, over the course of my career, I think we've only had maybe four or five gear failures. And if you really start to look at that um, and the, the races that we've had at Hendrick Motorsports and what we've done, that's that's a pretty small percentage. So we'll take that one on the chin if we need to. Um, but to, to start last, it's kind of ironic. Jimmy and I and my engineers were talking about starting at the rear of the field and how stage racing has, has quite honestly helped the guys that, that have that, um, that that deficit, and we we played that. We felt like the strategy was going to work out for us, and fortunately enough, we had a really fast slow Chevrolet, and we're able to capitalize and get up into the top 20. We had a caution fairly early. We came in, got some tires, were able to to migrate up towards the front, and with the speed the car had in it, and obviously Jimmy is fantastic here at this track. We were able to run in the top five the majority of the day, battle for the lead, first, second, third, and uh, and stay in position. So it was. It's not exactly how we wanted the day to, to play out. We wanted to go up there and just take it and run away with it. But um, being in position and allowing Jimmy to have the opportunity to get after it on that last restart, you know, honestly, that's what it's all about. 
Okay, we'll continue on with questions here in the deadline room. Please raise your hand. We'll get a wireless mic to you. We'll uh, start here and then go to Jeff. Tyler, head the racing experts. Obviously, you guys have enjoyed a lot of success all around the circuit, but uh, none more so really than here. Uh, when you come here each year, each season, uh, do you have more confidence? Is it more comfortable coming to this track knowing that you have had so much success? Yeah, I think you're always more comfortable um, going somewhere where you've been successful and you've got a good history. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's venues that you go to, and if any of you guys have ever played sports or any type of competition, you know that there's, there's a time when you walk in the door and you feel like that you've got it or you've got an opportunity. And I can tell you when, when the 48 team and Jimmy Johnson, they roll into this racetrack, everybody's on their tippy toes and their chests are puffed out. And that's, that comes from Jimmy's experience, Jimmy's ability to adapt. This racetrack changes an awful lot. I think if you guys pay attention, you see that the track starts fairly white to a gray, and then it ends up black midway through a run. And then as the caution comes out, it turns white again. So the drivers really have to be willing and able to maneuver around the racetrack, find the best way to go. So, um, yeah, man, coming into Dover is someplace that, that we always just put a little circle around it. We like it. Go next to Jeff, then to Tom. Jeff Buck from jeffbuck.com for Chad. So there was one point where you ended up benefiting from um, a caution yep. during, a, during a run, and, and it timed well. When, when that kind of situation happens, are you staying out hoping that there could be a caution like that? Or are you just trying to get into your fuel window? What's, what's the thinking there? Is it strategic at all? Yeah, there is definitely some strategy, um, for sure. Tom? <laughs> Hey Chad. Yep. Hey Chad. Tom Jensen, FoxSports.com. Yeah. Um, two questions for you. This is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the third time counting Homestead that you guys have won from coming coming all the way from the back of the field at the start. Is that yeah. correct? I okay. Um, you you do the stats, man. I just crew chief. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Is it, is there something special when you do that? Does it does it add to the victory at all? No, that's I, I, not what you want to do by any stretch. You know, we'd much rather start in the top five or on the pole and, you know, have the races go seamless. But is it is it fun to start last and, and win the race? Heck, yeah, it is. You know, it's pretty cool. Um, but that's not, not the way that we want to, to have it happen by any stretch. And, um, you know, to have a parts failure and that regulate us to the back, it, it happens and it'll happen again. Um, probably more than once and it's just it's a part of motorsports it's a part of racing it's a part of competition um, but that's the motivation from that is not you know we don't say hey we started last let's go try to win the race well actually we do but that's not <laughs> like let's, we don't intentionally start last and say hey let's start last and then try to go win the race that's not what we want to have happen and the, the second question is does the stage system and the new point system give you guys more of an incentive to win during the regular season Unless maybe to experiment. Um, we we definitely. I understand the stages and I understand how it all works. We come to the racetrack to try to win everything that we possibly can. We want to win practice. We want to sit on the pole for qualifying. We want to um, win every stage and we want to win the race. So if there's a, a checkered flag to be had, the 48 is going to the racetrack to try to capture it. Um, so we're we're going to do that, and as far as experimenting throughout the normal season, uh, before the playoffs, 
I think it's difficult for people to understand that we experiment every single time we go to the racetrack. We're always trying to evolve and get our cars better and faster so we can put our drivers in a position where they need to be. Um, and I think at Hendrick Motorsports right now, honestly, we're doing a pretty good job if you look at the way that all the teams are, are running. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. We are also now joined by today's winning driver, Jimmy Johnson of the number 48 Lowe's Chevrolet. You know, Jimmy won his 83rd Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race, tying him with NASCAR Hall of Famer Cale Yarbrough for sixth on the all-time list. He also won his record 11th race here at Dover, become on, becoming only the third driver to win uh, a race, uh, 11 or more races at a single track. Those other two drivers are none other than Richard Petty and Dale Waltrip. Jimmy, you've proven yourself to be a legend already in many respects, but how in the world did you get that low Chevrolet up front when it mattered most on that final restart? Yeah, we uh, we, we had a fast car. Um, had overcome uh, quite a bit of adversity throughout the day, but we still still had a great car. And, and honestly, it, it all came down to a restart. And I was able to get the power to the, power to the ground. I knew it was going to be extremely tricky on those old, hot, worn-out tires. And um, I, I just got a better restart is the way it turned out. Okay, we'll continue on with questions here. We'll go to Jerry, and then uh, we'll move back. Jerry Jordan, kickingthetires.net and PRN. Jimmy, some of us talking about this before the race. If you won, uh, we were going to, like, come up with a challenge, maybe 20 miles away on a bicycle, parachute in next year. <laughs> you know, is there anything you can't overcome here? This is, this is a good one for us, um, and I, I've always been better at passing people. I think you know our stats from qualifying versus race wins really show that, and it's it's frustrating. We we're, we live in an environment where qualifying needs to be a priority, and we need better pit stall picks. But um, you put that rabbit out in front of me, and, and I'll chase it down. So <laughs> just just the way I've always been. Tyler, head of the racing experts, Jimmy, can you just speak to the contrast of last week running out of gas in the closing laps, and you know the feeling of defeat there versus here having an opportunity to seize a win and being able to do so? Yeah, I think at the, the root of our opportunities to win have been Chad's aggressive calls. And uh, you know, the fact that we've won a couple races gives him the freedom to, to really swing hard and, and take chances. And we stayed out on the track when others hit pit road um, in the later stages of this race, and that, that really turned out well for us. Um, he made the audible at uh, the 600 when everybody hit pit road that, hey, let's, let's try. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be in this position to have a couple wins, to know that we're in that top 16 and, and to take more chances to win because, you know, everything's, everything's about that trophy. And um, to be in contention week in and week out like we have been makes me very proud. And then to, to see his aggressive calls um, makes it a lot of fun. Before we continue on, any additional questions for Mr. Hendrick or Chad? Gentlemen? Thank you, and congratulations. Good luck next week in Pocono. We'll continue on here with questions for Jimmy, and we'll go to the back. Kyle Magda, Performance Motorsports Network. Jimmy, can you just talk a little bit about your restarts? Uh, it seems like your last couple wins, you've been, you've been better with them. Uh, can you just have you worked on anything in the past couple years to do that? Not really. I had one cost me a million bucks a couple Saturdays ago. Um, you win some, you lose some. It, it is so hard. And when you have that much horsepower under your right foot, it's, uh, it's so tough to, to 
give just the right amount of power. And uh, I knew today's conditions were going to be extra tricky on hot tires, and then we're picking up all of the rubber that we had laid down on the track, and uh, I, I got this one right. So <laughs> you win some, you lose some. We'll go next to Bob, and then we'll go to Kelly. Uh, Bob Pockers, ESPN. Can you talk about the meaning of uh, tying Kale's um, win, Mark? And also, were you being presumptuous at all with the helmet, uh, bring, breaking it out before you had tied it? No, I, I mean, I really, it was time for a new helmet. We're trying to increase our inventory of, of our, our helmets. And we had one coming in this weekend, and my helmet painter and I discussed doing a tribute helmet. Um, it just felt really good last year to honor Dale and, uh, and Richard with the the helmet that I wore at Homestead and, and was able to tie those guys with seven championships. And uh, just kind of opened my mind to the the opportunity I have to uh, to help some younger fans and, and to honor Kale Yarbrough, to help younger fans know the name, know the face. So uh, it's something that's been in the works. The helmet's been under underway for a few weeks being painted, and then it just arrived here this weekend. Um, I really, really anticipated wearing it more than one race. Um, well, uh, I'm not prepared for what my next plan is necessarily, so I might wear this helmet for a few more weeks. Um, but it's just a great opportunity. Drivers, a great opportunity for me to to honor Kale. And drivers have always used their helmets as their voice in, in a way to honor someone or send a message, um, their own personality. You know, there's always been a lot of freedom with the driver's helmet, and I think it's uh, it's just really been a neat opportunity for me to to honor um, Dale and Richard and now Kale. Oh, sh yeah, the meaning of, uh, I mean, to remember that old dirty couch I was sitting on in El Cajon, California with my parents. We didn't want to turn the AC on because it cost too much. Sweating in 100 and whatever degree heat out in El Cajon, watching NASCAR races on TV and sitting on the couch and pulling for that 28, um, you know, to, to tie him is just mind-blowing. Um, I was very fortunate to have a, a similar experience when I tied him with the three consecutive championships, and he surprised me at the banquet. Um, but to tie him at 83 wins, I, I, I swear to you, I, I only thought, I only dreamed of winning a race, um, and to have 83 and to tie him is just just absolutely mind blowing. Go next to Kelly. KellyCrandallRacer.com. Jimmy, the 42 team over the radio. Speaking of restarts, on that last one, kind of protested that maybe you were laying back. Um, Kyle. Larson later said, you know, he spun the tires. But did you do anything different on that last restart to get a better launch than he did? I did everything I could to beat him. Lay back, went forward. I laid back early, went forward late. He jumped for, you know, he's the leader. He's supposed to jump first. I just made sure I jumped, didn't jump before him. Um, but when it mattered, I was actually ahead of him by a couple inches. So uh, they can protest all they want. I got the trophy. I did everything I could to beat him and did it. Additional questions down here. Let's go to Brant. Brand James, USA Today Sports. <coughs> Excuse me. Is there any extra satisfaction in this one, uh, winning this race at, at a place where you've had, you know, most of your a lot of success, and against a, a young guy who's supposed to win a bunch of races and a bunch of titles? Whenever you decide you're going to go off to the mountains and like ski <laughs> all the time. Uh, I haven't thought about that aspect. I mean, you know, the the takeaway I have from today is that you know these races are never over. Um, you know, when I was watching Kyle pull away from me, 
um, with five to go, you know, I thought, all right, seconds, seconds, not bad. And then something in my mind said, this thing isn't over. You know, they're, they're never over until the checkered falls. So uh, about that time we go into turn one, I see the 38, I think it was, blow right front and hammer the fence. And it's like, okay, here we go. Here's our chance. So uh, I guess that's that's my big takeaway. And, and yes, Kyle's going to win lots of races and, and be a household name and, and the face of our sport in the near future um, if he's not, you know, on his way to doing that now. But um, he's a tough competitor, and uh, I was just able to, to inch out over him on that restart. Go next to Dan. Dan Gill from the Associated Press. What really was it about Kale that attracted him to you at such a young age? That's a great question. Um, he reminded me of my grandfather a little bit in his personality. And uh, so that, that was that was a takeaway or a reason that I, I, I've, I've watched him and was into him. He won a lot when I was watching him race at that point in time. And then that, that 28 car just looked good. There was just something about it. The looks of the car, it looked mean, it was fast. He had that big crash, I think, at Talladega where it almost went over the fence and the windshield blew out of it. Um, for, a, for a young kid, there was just a lot about his personality, his driving style, his winning. Um, I think the, my grandfather, there's something about his personality that carried over, and that between all those is why I, I was drawn to him. Any additional questions for Jimmy Johnson? Well, Jimmy, congratulations. Oh, do we have Bob? Were you confident you could, Bob Pockers, ESPN, were you confident you could have hold off Larson if it went green the full two uh, overtime laps? Uh, once I heard clear, I took a deep breath and knew I was going to have my hands full. Um, I hadn't been in clean air yet to know what my car would do, um, and I knew how hard it was to pass the 42 or the 78. Um, so I, I was optimistic but knew I, I needed to be on my game for those, those final two laps. So there was some concern. Well, Jimmy, congratulations, and good luck next week in Pocono. Thanks.